Hello, and welcome to Wipes and Weirdos, the D&D podcast set in the world of the airwalk. I am your Dungeon Master Darby, and joining me as always are Eddie, playing Tibble, Mitch, playing Neris, Joe, playing Alton, Jake, playing the Fishling, and Laura, playing Ruth. Let's jump into it. So, where we last left off, uh, a great many things happened, but uh, I think I can pretty much sum it up with uh, Rue contacted Janice's god and Neris had a mental breakdown. Uh, <laughs> two, two, uh, two mental breakdowns as I am being corrected in the video by Mitch. Uh, so we left in the middle of Neris, uh, kind of pouring his heart out to Tibble and Rue. Was there anything more to be said on that matter? Or do we assume that, uh, comfort was taken, advice was taken, uh, I would assume um, that the rest of that conversation was... Um, it kind of petered off a little bit after that, mm. I think. Um, just speaking from an outside perspective, looking at the, the conversation, uh, it got mildly awkward uh, for everyone involved. Uh, <clears throat> so <laughs> I would assume the conversation would kind of... Um, wrap up um and yeah because it would be not early in the evening at that point i, I would assume uh, uh, i think yeah. at that point it would have been quite late at night yeah. and tibble was um sort of on his way to encouraging um neris i almost said oh man for a second uh neris to um go spend some time with Kara, who would have kept him occupied with many of the things that she keeps herself occupied with um, during the wee hours of the night when she cannot sleep. Um, and I think after, unless there was any parting words that Nerith was going to say, <laughs> um, after Tibble sort of sends Neris on his way, he kind of turns through and he's like, um, I am aware as your captain that that was a lot, but as your friend, I hope that I'm working with Nurse will help you figure out purpose here. Of course. I don't need to be entertained. I'm not saying that's how I'm taking it. But I don't... People don't need to spend time with me if they do not wish to. Trust me, lad, if Neris doesn't want to spend time with you, he'll tell you. Oh, yes, he is very good at making it clear when people are not wanted. Aye. But I do feel very bad for him. Don't, he'd hate that. <laughs> True, and 
yet. I am... In truth, I do see similarities between yourself and Neris. You both don't seem to see a worth in yourselves past being useful, and I see more than that in both of you. So, hopefully, spending more time together might either amplify or short that out. Which I'm sure either way will be interesting. Rue doesn't kind of like emote in any way because they can't, but like they, they seem to like, if they were, they'd be like just blinking slowly for a bit and just be like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of things you just said there. Tim will kind of leans down to Ham and he's like, did I, did I break them? <laughs> and they're just sort of slowly nodding like, have, have a good night, Master Tibble. I hope everything is well. And perhaps you should talk through Neris about the item's move at a later date. You seem quite distressed about a lot of things. But I hope you have a good night. I will, Rue. In spite of everything. I'm okay. I really am. Thank you for your friendship tonight. Rue just sort of like nods, like, um, pointedly down at Tibble. And then, um, Kind of just like stares about like up at the moon, I guess, um, for like like a couple of beats, and then just turns without acknowledging and then strides back and down down deck, I suppose. With Ham, Ham would immediately kind of just like shake himself up and then like um, look around and just like follow him with his little stumpy leg, metal legs. <laughs> Tibble kind of sits back down and swings his legs back over the banister and looks out to sea. As you become dormant for the night, you don't, as an Anadol, uh, sleep in the traditional sense, though you do have to lie or stand dormant in order to recover uh, energy. And sometimes in this state, you do dream and experience visions. Uh, and tonight is such a night. You find yourself in an inky black ocean, just floating. And you see appearing before you an almost cube-like ooze entity with countless Piscean eyes and long, winding tendrils. Every now and then you see a vicious, toothy maw appear in an almost silent roar, as what sounds like a thousand whispered voices cry out at you. While it's hard to make any sense out of the cacophony, 
There's one word that stands out. Seek. And that is all you see. Rue just like wakes up with just like all their joints just like juddering like <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> um and then the, the, like their head their beak just kind of like glances towards the sea stones and just like they, they glance if they if they could narrow their eyes would narrow them looking over it not their sea stones but someone else's <laughs> all right so next day day two of the journey uh, can I get, uh, three people to roll me a d20, please? For our travel conditions. Okay, Fishman, get me our first d20. Tibble, and who's doing our third? Alton, okay. So, Fishman, you're going to determine our temperature. What 14. 14. Um, it is normal for this time of year. Tibble, you're going to determine the wind strength. 17. 17. Uh, it is a light wind uh, today. And Alton, precipitation. A uh, 12. A 12. So there's, there's some light rain, some light wind, but uh, not enough to kind of impede your travel. Um, so is there anything folks do on the second day of travel? Nothing in particular, no. other than duties. Okay. Naris is gonna have a quiet one. Um, <laughs> and um, he's actually gonna try and... Because uh, he was up a little late last night. Because he went oh. to bed. Um, and... Couldn't really get to sleep, despite all the noise around him. Um, both, like, the creaking of the ship to the, um, the talking of the crew. Um, and ended up um, sort of shaping this water again that he pulls from the, um, just like the moisture from the walls, just kind of pulls it all into two small little globules and just kind of slowly pushes them just and kind of makes a shell of water around his ears to, to almost amplify the noise of surroundings to drown out any other noise that's in his head um and that's eventually how he gets to sleep um and then he wakes up and there's a small pool of water in his slippers, which is mildly annoying, um, <clears throat> which rests underneath his, uh, his hammock under his head. So he's going to get up, move over to his study and, um, everyone else is up and moving around and doing a bunch of other stuff. So, um, at this stage, so he goes there and pulls out a, a couple of books and he's doing a little bit of research um, and then pulls out a couple of sketches of uh, 
very rough sketches that he took of Janice's room. Uh, and he stares at them for a period of time. And then he starts to think about certain magical capabilities that he has. And he just begins to ponder. That's what he does for the morning. Okay. Does he come down for breakfast at all or anything? He does not. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I'll say for Alton. Um, I think he did. He would not have gotten much sleep last night. He would have. I'll, I'll give him a little exhaustion. Um, he probably would have spent the majority of the night just working through various projects. So he would have been like um like taken apart his pistols and he would have like really uh tried to work on a mechanism to reload them more efficiently um and he would have done like um read over like a few like old medical journals that he has looked over his doctor's notes um he also would have like penned a letter um unusually for him in common instead of under common um sealed it and then just kind of looked at it like <laughs> looked at the sky like irritated and just popped that away for later um yeah so he probably would have woken up looking very tired as well as nurse and just potted around the kitchen although thankfully without any hangover <laughs> nurse may have <laughs> and eventually he's also going to seek out rue but Hear from any of the others if anyone has anything planned. <laughs> I'm taking this mm -hmm. as a no. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be a clear go ahead. Absolutely. Um, so probably um I don't know, after lunch maybe that's when he has a bit of time. Three. Uh he probably tends to because we've just been in a combat, go around and check on anyone's wounds, check on anyone's health. Um, he would also uh, pop by Rue. Where would Rue be? In, his, in their quarters? Um, so Rue would be, yeah, probably in their quarters. Um, they did, like spent like a lot of time just like pacing. <laughs> uh, so anyone like the below deck, like the, which was the junior officers, would have just been like, God, What's going on? The sheep's creaking, but just like we were just rude, just like pacing after they woke up after that dream and also the stuff that happened that evening. Um, but now they're spending most of the time in their room and they're sort of like, um, yeah, they they would be in their room. Um, Ham would actually be kind of just like pacing around a little bit. Um, it seems to be like chewing on like a leak. Which Alton would probably then very contemptuously realise is something that he set aside. One of the things he set aside for dinner tonight. Um, <laughs> but um, Ham just kind of just regards Alton with impassively, but probably to Alton would also seem like he's challenging Alton with his beady little eyes. <laughs> but yeah, Rat is sitting on Alton's shoulder, and Rat kind of just makes like eye contact with Ham, <laughs> like trying to like puff himself up for a moment and then they scuttle and hide in Alton's hat. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess Alton, like, knocks against I see the doors open so he could see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Rue, uh, do you have a moment? 
And Rui kind of just like stands up, stooping a little bit, and their like spindly hands sort of like wrap around the the door frame as they step out and look around and then look down at Alton. Oh, Medic Alton, to what do I owe the pleasure? Uh, well, that's, uh, I mean, you said it is in the name. I'm here as part of my duty, so, you know, since we just fought some bloody great beast. Oh, of course. everyone. Oh, yes. Well, luckily, I do have some capabilities to look after myself. But if you wish to discuss them, I am more than happy to. Of course. But, Please, um... come inside. Mm, thank you. Rue kind of like does like a weird sort of gesture that you interpret means come inside. <laughs> um, and then they sort of like with their long arms, they kind of just like take out the chair that they've shoved under the bed and then just like shove, like right it and then just push it towards Alton. And then just stand there looking down at Alton. And Alton can kind of say beyond like that, the, the very simple description of Rue's room, there's like um, on the table, there's like more of this sort of like waxed parchment. And there's like another leak um and it seems to be like like lying very carefully with like um uh a long like stem of another plant and then like um a velvet pouch sort of like and like, some twine somewhere like that's trying to like he's obviously like trying to figure out something but he just stares at elton <laughs> slouching elton pointedly does not take this seat just kind of put what's on the hand on him <laughs> Not wanting to make the hand the height difference any bigger. <laughs> um, so I didn't notice you took any damage, but is that the case? How how's everything going? Oh, the room like kind of again seems to be like not oblivious. I'm probably making some assumptions here, but like to Alton's view. It also seems might also seem like in like they're entirely like avoiding a particular issue, um, but um, but again, Rude isn't very emotive very much. That just might be an interpretation. Alton might draw from that. Um, but then they sort of just like nod and like I seem to be in sufficient condition. I did not get too much water damage or anything. I don't seem to be affected by that. Don't require oil like your guns do. They're called for it. Yes, yes, that's right. This type is pistol. Pistol, of course. Uh, well, so I've heard the younger officers talk about a different kind of gun. Pistols, yes. Indeed. I think they were meaning muscles. I don't quite know why. Oh, right, that kind of gun. Yes, and no, probably talking about Janus or something that tended to be a topic of conversation about. Yes. Yes, of course, where I heard it from. Interesting, I'm learning more every day. This is very useful information. And we're kind of just like a, like without regarding Alton, like turns to the notebook that Tibble gave them, which then just like writes something down. <laughs> right. Well, uh, if you're not injured, there's no need to help on that front. Although I would say, even if you have some medical skills, skills yourself, I'm still a senior medic. 
on the ship, so um, always feel free to come to me. I will always do my very best to try to heal anyone. Of course, I'm sure you will do your best. Alton is like... Kind of like, probably like puffing himself up even more, just at the tone of this conversation. Although, uh, moving on from uh, the topic of you perhaps being injured, uh, maybe could we perhaps talk a little bit about you injuring fellow crewmates, maybe? Is that a common thing that's going to be happening? Rue, like, straightens up a lot more and then just, like, just mildly, like, hits the head on the ceiling and then just, like, sort of shakes the head out a bit. Um, I look like a little bit of, like, clicking and clacking um, as, like, whatever components that make up their body sort of seems to, like, right itself. Um, and then they kind of, like, um, sort of uh, tilt, tilt their head down but, like, their eyes sort of, like, shine with, like, a brighter but like bluer intensity I suppose um and the small kind of like movements of like the, the tilt of their head looks kind of like they're just like if this was a per like a human person they'd be like training their guards just to one side <laughs> um that's the impression Elton gets <laughs> yes I made a great character choice here <laughs> um and then Rose like hands caught sort of which were just sort of just like hanging limply by their side sort of like do that kind of just lace together in like a long spindly spider like manner oh that oh I'd forgotten about that my apologies. Would you like an apple? I am very sorry. Right. Easy to forget about, so it must happen a lot then. That's... I would not... It does... It depends on the length of time that you measure. <laughs> it does not happen every day. Great, great. Well, that's that's good to know for my job. I don't want to go around healing injuries every time someone walks in your general direction. That 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 should not be a pro pro problem. I would not. You should not worry uh, about that. I. It. It is connected to magic, and I. I try try not to use it that often. Right. When, uh, uh, well, of course, unless it is required for experiment or healing where I can... Well, so it's necessary only... then, of course. Okay, great. So not only is you, you know, a tiny little bit of healing magic that is oh so useful in this world, but your healing magic might also injure the people? Does it happen every time you use any spell? I did. I did not say that. Do you not? I mean, it's not always bad. Just sometimes things change. I have not been able to, to determine the cause of it. I have taken notes, but there seems to be no correlation. But you would understand. Healing someone who may die of sickness, it is a great cost to pay, and I have never 
Well, I have never intentionally harmed anyone. I believe. Right. very good to know a little bit more about what to expect from this whole magical nonsense now that you're a oh. crew member. Of course. I mean, oof. it'd been up to me, I would not have hired you. I'm up to here with weird, unexplained, magical things and all these dangerous people on board, but... <laughs> you thought I'd been up to you. I mean, yes, but obviously it's not. Tibble here, he, uh, the, the boss loves to um, bring dangerous people on board. Ah, <laughs> oh, I see. You are right to be concerned, Elton. It would, after all, be highly unusual not to be concerned about an individual who can be potentially volatile who could bring danger on board regardless of the cost and considerable damage or loss of life and who has no strong ties to their friends of peers and danger in their past. Would you not agree? <laughs> Damn right. Might be a smarter one here. May I remind you, I witnessed you trying to shoot a man's legs off. That is a good point. I forget that sometimes the violence can... Yeah, be a little threatening. Yes. You would be correct in that statement. Uh. I would say the difference here is that I do not intend to harm. Understandable. And yes. But in the same time, I only harm when I intend to. I don't know whether that's better or not. But I, mean, I suppose from a re no. That man, he betrayed me. From the group that I used to travel with, if you just let people push you along and they betray you, everyone is going to do the same. They're going to be seen as weak. So they deserve to die? Oh, yes, but although I didn't kill him either, did I? Also, he pissed me off. <laughs> he pissed you off? I see. Well, you were very right, Mr. Alton. Mr. Chibble certainly lets anyone on board. Now <laughs> oh, I can see we're just gonna go along so swimmingly. My apologies. Would you like an apple? Uh, they kind of make me sick. Most foods I'm intolerant to. I see. No, that is understandable. I will find something else then. Perhaps a tea you would like? No, I'll be fine. It will require no magic, so you will be comfortable <laughs> with it. 
No, I'm not good. I prefer to eat stuff that I prepare. Of course. But, yes. I do hope you know that despite everything between us, I will always do my utmost to protect this crew. I'm a medic and I'm going to be the best damn medic there is. That is a noble goal. Despite the fact that you're probably a threat to everyone, I'd like to keep you to keep it in mind that I want to keep you alive. Well. I want to keep everyone here alive and well also. Excellent. That's to hear. And I again did not mean to do that. I hope you healed up well. I apologize. It was... And I do mean it. I see you well. Thank you for the apology. No, I've had much worse injuries. Mm. You oh. require any magical healing. There are limitations to what traditional healing can do. Mm. It's true, and there's limitations to magic as well. No, I'll be fine in this case. Of course. He kind of takes a moment and just kind of like, oh. Like, rubs a hand over his face, looking like, um... Concerned, I suppose. Tired. And it's just kind of like, oh boy, this is not my special. Right. So, speaking of... Right, you say that was an accident. Yes. Unlike you shooting a man's legs off or attempting to. Yes, exactly. I know that was intention. <laughs> yes, there's a big difference. So... You may have heard that there might have been some other accidents in your past that resulted... Did Nera speak to you? No, no, I just, you know, her. When? Was it this morning? No, it's uh, confidential. And I will keep uh, it confidential if it's medical. Of course, patient confidentiality is very important. Yes, yes, exactly. So you might have caused injury to someone and that is uh, bringing distress. So like almost immediately, um, again, like when Nera's first like confronted Rue about this, um, Rue starts like just, again, like just, it's very slight, just starts jittering a bit and sort of like the, um, the magic in between like, um, like the seams in their armor just sort of slight, just like dims and like, it's kind of like when there's a power shortage in a house and like the lights just start flickering a little bit like a haunted house because they're starting to like, kind of like go out, I guess. Um, and like that kind of color sort of like, like no like red eyes or anything like that, but it like just fades a bit from like the, the lamp lights behind their eyes. Um, but they seem very obviously visibly distressed the second you start talking about this. Um, you don't need to roll anything to <laughs> determine that this is like a machine that is not working properly. Um, uh, 
but yes. <laughs> and then they'll just be like, oh, oh in, the, in the past, yet Neris did speak to you then. Right, 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 yes, that's a fair enough reaction, and um, someone spoke to me, yes. Of course, patient confidentiality. Right. There so. were some things alleged in the past that I do not remember clearly. Maybe something happened. I hope something did not happen, but maybe if something happened, I hope it did not happen. No, of course. Yes, um... Mm. I think he's probably... I think, like, visibly, like, more... He's having a lot more difficulty trying to, like, say the right things and, like, be compassionate and, like, get into, like, the therapist mindset, which he is not one of, um, than, like, compared to when he was, like, speaking to Fishman. As he's, like, trying to act actively get into that mindset. <laughs> Just like, um... Yes, that is, um... That's very difficult. Uh, yes, some things happen in the past. Uh, they can um, they can impact the mind and then the body into the present. And then sometimes your mind and body just wipes it away as well, which is fun. Uh, that is true. Yes, but um, I don't know. Are you planning to? Uh, uh, how serious is this? You're not planning to thumb yourself or anything? It's... No. There was a storm. I believe that may be why I reacted poorly yesterday with the magic. Ah, uh, yes, of course. A storm happened that time. Not every time the magic changes. Right, But in yes. the past, I don't know how much your patient has told you. No, that's... Uh, no, that's good to know. There's some things, triggers from the past that remind you of that. Um, maybe next time, perhaps you could try uh, slow breathing. Uh, mm, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Also, Ruja's car just like... Even though they're not speaking, that it seems to be like some of their like mannerisms are like again nothing like to chew a lot, but it seems to be like they just keep locking into like some of the little movements that like like they're glitching, I suppose. Yeah. A little bit every time they keep like as this path is being pressed upon, I suppose. Hmm. Okay. Actually, uh, you know what? Is this is this remotely helping you? This this conversation thing. I don't know. Would you like an assessment or a rating out of ten? Sure, if it'd help, I've got uh, this as well. Cat, and he, he gets out the he gets out the embroidery <laughs> of the sad to smiley face. That is very nice and rating scale. Thank did you. Did you do that yourself? Uh, yes, yes, I did. That's very good. Thank you. Very neat stitching. I do my best. It's good for being a, a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I can't make those faces, so I find it very difficult to rate this, but, um... Good point. Again, this is sort of a little bit hampered by the fact you came in and accusing me of many things, and then also being willfully oblivious of other things you've been doing. 
Um, so I don't know about the overall effectiveness of this, but uh, I appreciate your trying. Fair enough. Thank you for the honesty. Honestly, yes, this is not my area of expertise, and uh, not one for the bedside manner. So this, no. Uh, you can try to come for me for help in this if it matters. Otherwise, I don't know. Go talk to the captain. If you're in acute distress, I can help. I can help very well, actually, as I am an extremely skilled medic. Of course you are. I believe that entirely. <laughs> and Alton goes from like being kind of flustered to being kind of pissed again. <laughs> Right, well, uh, I assume we're done with this conversation. You get the message, uh... If you think so, of course. Would calm down on the magic thing, and if you need any medical assistance, come to me. That is my role in the ship. Of course. Well, can I ask your, um, assistance? As a very talented medic, you utilize your entire skills. Would you show him the direction of Bastanaris's room? Hmm. I don't know. Do you have a medical problem that's stopping you from knowing that? I would just prefer to remain in my room today. And after all, if I. If I were work walking upon the ship, what if my magic suddenly did something? Perhaps it would be safer to remain downstairs for the time being. Do you agree? You have quite the attitude, don't you? I try not to. I tend to very, very unfortunately, very wildly between being too cheerful and the opposite. I will get there eventually, I promise. Good luck on your journey. Good luck on yours. And he just kind of leaves. Alright. He just leaves abruptly. Yeah. <laughs> um. Rat points out of the back of his hat or looking at him. And just like, <laughs> like excited rat like room. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else for the rest of the day, folks? I mean, I've got something, but I can't follow that. <laughs> I mean, if it's happening today, it might have to. I will also say at some point during the day, Ham will find Neris's room and he will be carrying a little little wax paper parcel that has a leak in it, um, a sprig of oleander and the, um, the little velvet pouch that, um, with Janice's sea stones in them and a, an apple peel. <laughs> That has been in some way like it looks like it's been tried to cut into some sort of shape, but you don't know what that is. It's completely indiscernible. And Ham, it, you then after like perhaps some contemplation, might start to realize, oh, Ham has probably just eaten this. This has just come out of his mouth <laughs> while he was carrying this little parcel. <laughs> Amazing. <But> yeah. <laughs> um, so Neris will accept this, um, and does spend probably 
Neris would consider a little too much time. Others would consider an unbearably lengthy period of time trying to decipher what this apple peel pattern means. Um, but then uh, his allotted miscellaneous time will be up and then he'll go back to the project that he was working on. Um, which is trying to find weird and wonderful ways of utilizing his magic in the ways that those who made the magic did not intend. He's going to... He's been thinking for most of the day about... Well, a lot of things, as Neris does. Uh, but one thought that keeps coming back is the fact that he won't be able to find any new information from Janice's room. He's thinking about that, and he's got these sketches in front of him that he did, which are... He's not... He's not a skilled artist. Um, he is able to, you know, uh, put out a decent image with charcoal, um, but he's not... The dimensions might be off, or there might be something a little bit... These are always intended just to be sort of references. And he kind of laments that he can't remember exactly what happened. And he thinks about a particular spell that he's used in the past to bring other people the points that he wants them to remember from the past. He starts to think, is Neris able to trick his own mind into visiting the memories that he can't remember? So Neris sits himself down at his desk has these images in front of him. The little velvet pouch that was gifted ever so graciously by Ham uh, sitting just in front of the divining orb which is slowly writhing in a, a greyish smoke. Naris begins to focus. He begins to try and penetrate the toughest mind he's ever had to penetrate. And that is his own. And now I'm going to throw it over to Darby. Yes. I have no idea how yeah. this is going to go. So, yes. So, Mitch, you you sent me a message this afternoon discussing this, uh, yeah, this concept for a new spell. Um, basically delving into your memory. So, um, obviously you haven't spent the time yet actually devising the spell and writing it, like, and putting it into your spellbook and perfecting it to the point where you can do it consistently and safely. 
uh, and all that uh, stuff that wizards like to pride themselves on. But before any spell gets to that point, it must be experimented with. And so you find yourself experimenting with this concept. So what we're going to do is... I have a spell slot in mind that I think this spell would probably fall under, given what you described to me. Um, and I think I have a DC in mind for an Arcana check to see how it goes. If you succeed, um, you will expend the spell slot and you will uh, and you will see what you want to see. If you fail, um, there might be some things that happen depending on the degree of failure. Um, so, fail by five or less, you might expend a higher level spell slot than you maybe necessarily needed to, but still see the result. Fail by more, you might expend the spell slot and not really get to see anything. Um, and maybe even suffer some uh, consequences for it. So, without further ado, please, Neris Solalanti, roll me an Arcana check. Thirteen. So, I'm not sure if he's specified a level or not, but he is going to use a. He's going I to do. like blow a third here. Yeah. No, you 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 are going to blow a third here because you did fail uh, by a uh, by more than five, unfortunately. Um, so you are going to take. Charlie, you roll this. Um, roll me. Because it's third level, 3d6. Uh, that's a 13. A 13. Uh, you take 13 points of psychic damage. Um, as you, your mind, uh, takes the strain of trying to read itself uh, as if it were an external uh, entity you can make another attempt however the DC will be a little bit higher for repeated attempts here out of curiosity because I am expending a fairly decent, well, the highest level that I possibly can here, and it's a new spell, and I'm doing this on myself, would repeated attempts potentially be exhausting to Neris? Uh, with a significant enough failure? Potentially. Um, however, 
Keep in mind, you did fail significantly the first time, so a success might not be a third level spell slot. We're gonna do it Perfect. again. Yes. Oh, that's an 18. Um, 26. 20, oh. Okay, 26 is a success. So, mark off a second level spell slot. Um, and, yeah, so you see, what is the memory that you are trying to delve into? Oh, I didn't think I'd get this far. Um, <clears throat> so, Neris is attempting to take himself back, I think, a week or so, um, to when Neris and Tibble were investigating Janice's room. Uh, and he is not entirely sure how this spell is going to work, um, but the way that he is trying to shape it is he can essentially see what his past self saw and maybe try and pick up on any clues that he may have brushed over or any little bits of information okay. through a second run through. Yeah, so you have you have basically 10 minutes that you spend within this memory and you're able to look and pick out any details that you maybe glossed over the first time around and determined to be perfect. Excellent. Um, is there anything new that Neris finds? That'd be really embarrassing if there wasn't. Um, and Neris is not telling the captain. <laughs> I imagine there probably are, but that might be, um, pro probably fine details and, and the like that on a first look through you don't necessarily have the time or the opportunity to take in properly, but with going in with hindsight, um, definitely uh, would help. So, rather than uh, going through them all, I'm simply going to say that any, uh, any checks you make to uh, recall um, or research into um, elements of the room uh, will be done at advantage. Eight. Wait, um... <clears throat> Damn, alright, yeah, cool. Um, then I guess Neris will, um... I think, spend the first 30 seconds of this 10-minute venture into his own mind. Just kind of like... Just doing like a real, like, nerdy, geeky fist bump to himself. Um, like he's very happy that this worked, 
Uh, it seems that everything is where he remembers it was. Um, and nothing seems to be weird. There's no... He doesn't appear to be in any pain at the moment. Maybe we'll find out when we return to our previous body. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But I guess, um... Yeah, if there is anything that kind of, like, stands out straight away, I think Neris will, um, jump on it. But otherwise, I, like, did you want, like, a, a general investigation check of the room? Um, I think, yeah, uh, no, I think, I think, I think, yeah, if there's anything more, if there's anything that you want to highlight. Uh, yeah, um, a couple of things, I'm trying to think of what the specific things that one picked up, um, previously um a couple of notes um these are all regardless like in these are just things the nearest notices um there was he says like like as usual he sees this room again um he says like there was like a very large shark tooth hanging off a nail next to the hammock um with some investigation that has some writing on it seven two three five nine seven um there are like um uh looking at the books in more detail because Nero's probably thought that he could go back and read all of them um and like he still can but like you know <laughs> the order of certain things are like um uh like there are certain books which are like um the obvious stuff and then there's like little things which are hit more hidden away um like there seem to be like books that are there for show and books that are there just to heart like to i guess don't seem to fit those patterns um there are books on like uh investigating like anthropy and even there's one how, on how to cure with a bit of like looking around um or the investigations into this there's um earmarked words about um a an institution that Ramirez has read, read before in Janice's diary. There seem to be in the dust of the floor, there are markings that are very purposeful, um, sort of seem to be all like converging into the, um, the arrangement of um, uh, sea glass stones and like what seems to be like driftwood and wire sort of twined around that in some sort of like near the window, um, uh, sort of like um different markings in the in, in like even in the dust but like doesn't seem to be anything specific it does sort of remind you a little bit of like the different languages that you, that you read in Janice's diary that you can't decipher um those are some of the notes i would mention um just checking over all my other things. The Darby thinks the Darby has any specific things as well. Feel free to butt in. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, those are a couple of, um, I guess, things he notices um, within these ten minutes. Um, there's like some things like uh, there was like an elven like the he has like like daggers hanging off the wall. Um, with the extra time, with that time, you would notice that there was like a like, sort of like an elven sword with some like detailing on it. Nothing like no writing or anything like that, but it looks like it's one of a pair. Um, 
that doesn't look like something that Genesis has, has um, fought with before or matches the other things there. Um, and yeah. And when Neris last visited that room, the light of the sea outside was sort of again drawn into those sea glass stones reflected in the um on the floor around them or well, himself and tibble <laughs> the little gross tibble that's probably also in this little memory <laughs> but yeah those are some little things <laughs> i guess um that i would mention yeah and it is probably at this point that you find yourself drawn out of the memory out of the vision and there don't appear to be any new uh, ill effects upon your body. Did time pass? Um, roll me a perception check. He has no idea. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea. It worked, Toad! <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else folks want to do on this second relatively quiet day, or shall we move on to the, the final day of travel? I will just quickly um, cover that unless any of the others sort of actively come to Tibble, um, Tibble spends most of his day um, prepping for when they will arrive um and just doing general ships captain duties and working with the junior officers and lower crew to just sort of keep things running while the senior officers are occupied all right so day three final day of travel um the day starts out uh, a little cool light breeze um there is an indication in the sky of a storm brewing at the start of the day um but your travel is mostly fine um outside of the wind and you reach um uh, from all the information you've been given the location uh, where you determined it is best to kind of set the ship to descend to the temple will only be probably half an hour's walk once you get to the sea floor to get to the temple itself. And it's at this point that the storm starts to pick up a bit. And who has a passive perception above a 15? Um, I believe Fishman does, but what's the time of day? Uh, it is probably around um, late morning, early afternoon. Yeah, he'd be up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he absolutely does. Yep. Anyone else? Alton's got a 16. Alton. Uh, Neris? Do you have a above a 15 passive perception? No perception, no. Uh, Rue? Nope. And Tibble? Nope. Okay. Rue so. didn't notice that there was like a, a, an eldritch horror just like living in their entire village. <laughs> Fair. 
Tibble is the antithesis of Wait. my previous character. <laughs> yeah. Tibble and Rude say nothing. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Janice, about 14 days after your capture, Silenon approaches you, flanked by Rort and Zardost, the Red Slard. Zardost is holding a sack in his large, long-fingered hand. We've reached our next stop. Armor up. You're going to need it. Zardost throws the sack to the ground in front of you, which clatters with the sound of metal. Looking inside it, you see your mithril armor. Uh, all right, then. Good. Right. Any more information about it, or we'll discuss it when we get there? You'll know when you need to know. Of course. Good. I'll get ready. Okay. About an hour later, you find yourself, for the first time in what feels like an eternity, on dry land, trudging towards a destination you are unaware of, when a voice sounds in your head. Janice! It's Loren. Neris sent me. No one else will help. Are you in your right mind? We're trying to find you. Where are you? And Janice sort of still, stills, like, for almost like a moment, like, um, as like probably, which would just be seen as like his, um, kind of like stumbling for a moment with his steps. Um, but then he sort of continues to stride. And there's sort of like on Loren's end, there's both a long and a very short pause probably escalated by like the panic in her voice i guess um janice sounds like he's taking a lot of information all at once um and he goes red phoenix the wren no one else will help nero sent you then why didn't he yes it's me but i don't have long on his end there would be a pause and as the camera zooms across this line of sending this magic sent across the sea we see loren in her room on the red phoenix iric in front of her spell scrolls fanned across her bed as she sits there cross-legged with a little notebook in which she is writing his answers in shorthand in primordial and she pauses, and she thinks, taking in what he said, and she picks up another scroll and recasts the spell. And as she casts it, she looks at Eirik and says, Time for another show. And then the message zooms across the sea as he hears with notable relief, Oh, thank God. Yes, that, Loren. It's complicated, but Thunderbolt and I were the only option. Please, tell me all you can. And then there's a moment, and across the sea her brow furrows. Did Neris fail you? And again, exterior, like, to the, like... Anyone witnessing Janice, it isn't much of a, um, a shift, but um, 
There is another pause, and there, while it barely registers to roll around across from the sea, it almost sounds like a small exhale of relief that the previous message perhaps wasn't also the last. It's hard to discern. Sounds like he's trying to address what he can as briefly as possible. This isn't a new spell to him, I guess. I'm on the seas. Tracked. Magically hidden. You got lucky. The seekers move around many plans, seeking potential. And then there's quite a, like a longer pause. Um, clearly weighing up addressing something, perhaps describing the the land that he's currently walking across, the armor that he's been able to wear, the changes that have been going on, and instead he just finally says, and, well, Nerys didn't, he just didn't turn up. There's another pause. Anyone seeing Loren would see genuine shock. She takes a second and she thinks very hard about what she has to say. She takes the final scroll and she casts it. Lucky. <clears throat> we have few words left. No direction, no time. Is there anything you can say? We, I, will not abandon you, Stormbreaker. And on that final word, there's the crackle of lightning, a shared storm between the two of them. And she waits for his answer. There's a long pause again, almost like he's collecting the time he, he has left carefully, trying to find ways to make words count. Um, he's slow and less emotional as another born of the storm, but for now there is no spark to be had. And he and Ren finally hears, the Seekers have no leash and they have plans. Some I must assist. Find one and something to hide my signal. Thank you for trying. And then the signal cuts out. Loren sits there. And for something she started doing genuinely with the intent to piss off the members of the Polaris, she feels a deep hurt in her soul for the waver in Janice's voice and the things she has just heard about the people who have failed him. And she takes those three scrolls and she takes her notes in primordial. And she looks at Eirik, her fat little baby content on the sea. <laughs> They abandoned him. They didn't just let him get taken. They abandoned him. You don't forget that easily. We have work to do. And 
almost in a mirror of that as we rejoin Janice and the Sin Seekers. Silenon says, Halt. We are here. All right. Start digging. We have work to do. All right. So, um, Fishman and Alton, you notice, um, and Fishman, you're probably, as part of your job, spending some time up in the crow's nest, I would imagine. Absolutely. So, Alton, you, Alton, you would notice some um, disturbances in the water. Fishman, you would actually probably see from up in the crow's nest um, weird uh, shadowy spots in the ocean that seem to be making their way to the edges of the ship. Yeah. All right. Like, if there's any hint of like things coming towards the ship, he would absolutely ring the bell and get him. Yeah. And as you do so, um, how many were there? Uh, well, let's let's just start with a a large hulking fish-like humanoid um, with four arms bearing a trident climbs up onto the ship yes you're in her waters and that is where we're going to leave it for this week quick question yeah do they look fish like humanoid do they look like not a like, different fish like humanoid that we yes. <laughs> these 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 are not like fish man these are okay. these are just needed to clarify before we end an episode yes. otherwise i'd be yes. losing these, my mind for another these, week uh you 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 guys would have probably either encountered or heard of these uh these beings um these are sahorgan ah uh, yeah yes. yeah yeah um, yes, uh, yes, there are some little clusters of Sahugan, uh, throughout the aisles that aren't particularly friendly to those in the pact. So, thank you for listening, everyone. Um, it's been a very interesting episode. Uh, some new magic... Um, some rivalries, uh, cutting deeper, um, and a boarding party about to, uh, make this a little difficult for the, for the crew of the Polaris. Let's see how that goes next week. See you next week, everyone. Have a wonderful week. Let us know what you thought. Enjoy. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Let Zoe in. Let Zoe in. Yeah. <laughs> She's been waiting. <laughs> audacity, everyone. Oh, thank you. The audacity. The audacity. <laughs> <laughs>